0: And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your Radio MD.
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, coming at you on 860 AM, The Answer. And we are an iHeart station, so if you're roaming around on your cell phone, your smartphone, you can tune me up anytime you want, 9 to 10 AM, Eastern Standard Time. I'm available worldwide at... at am860theanswer.com, that's am860theanswer.com, click listen live, and you got me. We also have a, a link to some of the past shows, so if you scroll down on the Sunday menu, you'll see me, and you can click on that and listen to prior shows, and actually some people do. I'm shocked that they do, but I'm flattered as well. Well, we've got a lot of hoopla going on over the uh, transgender and transsexual and the military and Trump saying he's reversing the order that Obama had put in place. And, of course, the left is upset and they see this as discrimination. and They see this as uh, the, the idea that it cost a lot of money uh, to the military to have people undergo sex change surgery. They see this as is nonsense because they say it's less than one percent of of the health care budget of the military and they quote the price for a sex change operation at somewhere between seven eight thousand and twenty five thousand dollars and that's just i'm sure for the very basics and it's also difficult to get hard figures because a lot of people uh who undergo this kind of surgery leave the country to do it they go to sweden or thailand and the few clinics and uh, places that do it in the United States, they're, they're keeping their, uh, their info on this and on the patients and on the cost, very quiet and very private. And there's a dog in the fight for the surgeons, for the plastic surgeons who do this because they're making big money off of this. And the psychiatrists who, and psychologists who vet these people are also going to make a penny or two. Plus they have an emotional uh, bias and that they think they're psychopathology, that they're, there are some problems with these people that can be cured, some mental problems or emotional problems that can be cured by surgery. And, of course, we've been through this with the Munchausen syndromes and the masochists. We've seen people who will subject themselves to multiple surgeries, make themselves sick so that they'll be in the hospital uh, for the attention or the Munchausen syndrome where a mother or a parent will make a child sick so that they can keep taking them back to the doctor and receive attention that way. So uh, I think there's a lot of confusion about this. And certainly the cost is not what the left says. Is it as much as the right says, well, I don't know about that. Some of the projections are to people living to the age of 90. And I doubt many of these transgender people, at least in my generation are not going to live to be 90 years old. They'll be accompanying health problems infections, and so on and so forth. But if they do, if they get a sex change operation at, say, 20, and they live to 90, that's 70 years of hormonal replacement. There's ongoing psychiatric and psychological care. There's going to be additional health care problems because when you reconstruct the genitalia one way or another, you're creating the opportunity for more urinary tract infections and other problems that will arise from the surgery and so I, i'm i'm overwhelmingly positively sure that the cost of caring for someone uh, from the surgical outset even prior to that the psychological and psychiatric evaluations is going to cost way more than $25,000 and the 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 question that bill and i both had before the show we were talking was am, am i supposed to pay for this you know is this my responsibility that you have a, what you believe to be a psychological syndrome called gender dysphoria, euphoria. We all know what that is. That's elation and happiness. Dysphoria. It means you're not happy. So you're not happy with your gender and how can you say you feel like a woman in a man's body? If you've never been a woman, uh, how do you assign a gender role to somebody because they'd rather dress up and play with dolls and 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 have a Betty Crocker bake set than they would go out and throw a football with the guys or with dad and they're genetically and physiologically a male I don't know I mean I don't know how you know what that is to be female if you're not um, any more than you can say you know what it is to be a male if you're a woman now, yes, we can empathize with each other, and we can have a pretty good idea of what each other are feeling, but there's just certain nuances and physiological changes and reactions that we cannot experience <laughs> unless we are that gender. I mean, it's just, you know, there's a difference between guys and gals. I mean, that that's not anything that I had to do with, and actually, I slept through that class in medical school. I guess that's why... I ended up having a baby so late in life, but, uh, you know, I should stay awake more for those lectures, especially on sex and the genitalia. Well, I got to tell you now, I and there's a lot of, quote, quote, psychological and psychiatric literature about this topic that really doesn't sound or feel like research to me. And that's okay because psychiatry and psychology are new fields, and uh, it's only been around for maybe 150 years, uh, starting with Sigmund Freud, who actually uh, institutionalized the subspecialty or specialty of psychiatry. And so we don't have a whole lot yet. We're getting more and more, and we're doing more and more psychiatrically, primarily through pharmacology. It's a not cost effective, although it does help with a lot of people to undergo therapy for behavioral change. That seems to be the big thing that works, along with medications for depression or anxiety disorders or uh, for the inherited disorders of schizophrenia and manic depression. But we're still in a very early stage in a lot of ways with this science. And so when we see uh, a diagnosis like gender dysphoria, and people say, well, I have gender dysphoria, Uh, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, and I want to change my sex, then we have to dig a little bit deeper before we put our imperator on it and say, yeah, this is an okay thing, I understand this. Unfortunately, a lot of this kind of medicine becomes, uh, for the public becomes more emotional than intellectual. And... That is a problem, and that it interferes with real research and it interferes with our objectivity, whether we're physicians or laymen or psychiatrists or whatever. And more and more doctors are accepting uh, the mantra that's being put out by the psychiatric and psychological community that this is a real disorder and saying, well, you know, maybe transgender. Sex change operations are okay and and we need to know more about this and, and know how to treat these people so i 'm at a a little bit of a crossroad it 's not easy to speak against the uh, uh, the the current norm the psychological and emotional bent of the society when it comes to something as loaded as sex and gender and genitalia I mean let's face it this is one of the most important aspects of our existence biologically we're only here for a few reasons I mean we're here to reproduce and keep our species going we're here to make a better world for our species and those two things when we put them into the oversized frontal lobes and 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 brains that we have make for some very complicated situations Yes, we're all born, or most of us are born with, on that bell-shaped curve, some sexual desires and drives. And how these translate into real actions depends upon not so much on our genetics for the 95% of us, but on our environment and our behavioral uh, encounters and how we're reared. And the one thing that i got to say the geneticists are doing a great job at is showing us that the behavioralists are really... Much more correct than we thought they were, and of course, the behavioral psychologists have been yelling from the bleachers for uh, seventy-five to a hundred years. Hey, people, wake up! These are not inherited problems. These are these are behavioral learned problems. As one psychiatric friend of mine said to me, Bill, ninety-five percent of sex is between your ears," and the implication being that this is a psychological uh, learned behavior, and that your orientation is not something you're born with, it's not something in your genetics, and there's no proof yet to show that, and I'll be the first to stand back and say, I'll accept it if there's some hard proof, but all you hear from the, from the folks that are very much for this is that it's a, a complicated genetic situation, and that's not an answer, and that's not research. The numbers of people who have undergone these procedures who we are able to follow and provide long-term as well as retrospective uh, uh, investigation into and information about their their status in society and how well they've adjusted and uh, their suicide rates and their alcohol and drug abuse rates and their rates of HIV, all of these things that would be negative markers versus the positive markers of well-adjusted, has a job, uh, fits into society, has ongoing relationships. Uh, it's hard to get numbers because these people do not want to be identified a lot of times. So the numbers are not that great. Small studies of three or 400, and it's not surprisingly, the studies show that a lot of these folks are not happy there's a much higher rate of suicide, there's a much higher rate of HIV, there's a much higher rate of overall depression and, and dysphoria, even though they have changed their gender, at least on the outside, and have been taking hormones, they're still not happy. Well, you know, duh, I mean, let's face it, this is not, as far as we know, and I'll be the first one to back off and say I was wrong, this is not a genetic phenomena. That's not to say that there aren't people who have genetic or congenital from birth problems, and there are a number of syndromes where we do have to reassign or assign a gender to a baby or to an adolescent who has some kind of hormonal or genetic problem. We call this ambiguous genitalia, and it's a real phenomena, and it's a real crisis, and it It can be a life-and-death crisis for newborn babies because some of these syndromes where they're genetic females but have male uh, exterior characteristics also have along with them other hormonal problems that can be life-threatening where they can't retain salt in their body and we have to have salt to be alive. And so there are some real things that we can look at. Probably the most common is what we call congenital adrenal hyperplasia, a big name, what it means is that the adrenal gland, which sits on top of our kidneys and makes, among other things, adrenaline, also makes cortisol and aldosterone and some other hormones that are necessary for us to live. You say, well, I didn't know we had cortisone in our body. Absolutely. We have to have cortisol or we die. It's a necessary part of our existence. We have to have aldosterone or we die. And if we don't have these hormones because of some damage to that organ, to the little organ that sits on top of the kidneys that we call the adrenal gland, or to the pro-organ in the brain, the pituitary gland that secretes the master hormones that control these other hormonal organs in our body, if there's a defect in one or both of those, then we will die and the babies will die if they don't have the adequate levels of cortisol, of aldosterone. So what happens with the kids that have this adrenal hyperplasia or hyperactive adrenal glands prior to birth, or if the mother has it and doesn't know while she's carrying the child, well, that can also produce other hormones. The cortisol levels will go up or down depending on, which kind of tumor or which kind of stimulation it is that's making this little adrenal gland overproduce, And it also makes trace amounts of other hormones, which in a normal adrenal gland don't really have much to do with us, don't really interfere with our physiology, but they do make small amounts of testosterone and other steroid sex hormones. And if the adrenal gland goes wild in a child that is genetically female, then testosterone and testosterone-like agents, sex hormones that are associated with being a male, will be in overabundance. And they'll produce external genitalia that is perhaps more like a male than a female. And it's confusing when you see some of these babies because you're not sure what they are. And that then entails a long workup, although you have to be quick about supporting them if they're, sodium levels or salt levels are low. We have to give them replacements. We have to give them replacement hormones like cortisol and aldosterone and until we can figure out what they are and choose the best path for them in life. Now, most of these are going to be girls who have uh, male characteristics externally, and they will still be fertile. A lot of them will have ovaries that have just been turned down or closed down by the testosterone, but once you counter that testosterone effect and get that out of the system and get them on the appropriate female hormones or stimulate their own inside production of those hormones, then they will develop as uh, fairly normal girls. And they may have certain aspects of their genitalia when they're babies or when they reach puberty that are abnormal, where they might have big labia, look more like scrotums, that can be addressed by the plastic surgeons or the clitoris is enlarged, and all these things can be addressed appropriately. Now, these people, it's not their fault, and they're not dysphoric. They're born with a congenital or a genetic condition. Less commonly, we see conditions where part of the chromosomes that make up our genetic material, or abnormal, or absent, and then we can also have ambiguous genitalia and ambiguous gender. And we have to help these folks and the families figure out what to do and look at all of our data and research, which is, is great. You know, it's, it's vast because we've been doing this for decades now, and, and there's real hard science behind it. And it does help, but we're not talking about those people. I mean, that is a medical condition, and that should be covered by insurance. And, and uh, there's, I mean, there's just no debate about that. These are, these are endocrine problems. Endocrine glands are our thyroid and our adrenals, our genitalia. Uh, we have different hormones released by different glands that are necessary for our existence. And if we don't have certain hormones in our body, we get sick or, and or we die. Uh, and so this, these are real medical problems that have to be addressed by the medical community and uh, seen that they are paid for by the health care insurance companies that we all put our money into to hopefully have uh, some care when we need it. You know, it's a shared pool. Oh, my God. That's a whole nother story. I'm not getting into that bill. Forget it. So. This is a real thing, and and we have a real uh, commitment to diagnose and treat. But we're talking about, and the president was talking about, as best as I can tell, people who have this sex or uh, genetic, uh, not genetic, but this uh, sexual orientation, this dysphoria with their gender, that they're not happy with their gender, and that they want a sex change operation, although they are genetically male, and their external appearance is male and they have adequate testosterone levels they have normally formed uh, genitalia male genitalia and they have hair on their chest and so on and so forth and all of a sudden they decide or over a period of years they decide that they're really a, a woman trapped in a man's body i you know i i don't know how you can determine that i mean how do you look into somebody's psyche into their soul and pull out that they are a woman that has been reincarnated in a man's body or been injected into a man's body i mean there's there's just so much hocus pocus there and it it just is not something that we can really quantify at least i haven't seen any literature that supports the quantification of that and you know you have to stop and think about the uh, the behavioral aspects of their upbringing and parents wittingly or unwittingly make decisions and uh, act and give signals and messages to kids as they grow up and and that i mean you can't help that Um, unless you live in a box and you keep all your kids in separate boxes they're going to react and act and interact with you the parent me the parent you know the the classic case i go back to in my own life is when my son was five and, uh, the mother and I were splitting up and she was mad at me. And all of a sudden he decided that he wanted to change his name from Zeke to Jake, which is, was his middle name. Now a five year old does not come up with this. Come on. I mean, maybe one of the zillion are intelligent enough to do that. And I, and I would think if they're intelligent enough to figure that out, they're also intelligent enough to figure out it probably doesn't matter what you call them and they're not going to be any happier or unhappier but she convinced this kid that he should call himself Jake instead of Zeke. And she even brought this up in court at one of the, one of the uh, family court hearings. I was like, your honor, we both agreed to name the kid and call him Zeke. That's his first name. Now, if he's going to go into show business and he wants to change it later, that's another story. But at five, give me a break. Somebody is influencing this kid. Somebody is Interfering with his normal thought processes and putting things into his mind. And, of course, we're very impressionable at five. And so we don't really know all of the psychological factors and behavioral factors that come into play when we're dealing with someone who has gender dysphoria. If you're just joining the show, we're talking about the uh, gender uh, sex change operations that the president addressed and said he didn't think the military should have to pay for it. By the way, the payment of the military comes from our pocket, you and me. We pay for it. The military, we pay for it, and the military then decides what to do with the money. So it's a it's a it's a question of are we on the hook? Should we be responsible for? Is this our problem to take care of? And if you're not happy with who you are, then why don't you go to an AA or an NA meeting and try and find out or go to some kind of support group or get into some kind of therapy? Um, I, you know, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, of course, we're, we're still in a, in a period of learning, and, and the curve is steep. You know, this is a difficult area. Psychiatry, as I said earlier, and psychology are still very much infant sciences in the medical world, although they're getting better. And I have nothing but praise for my psychiatric friends uh, who take on all kinds of difficult situations. And this also comes into the, uh, the realm of politics because the left wing says, well, you know what, we think that there are people who are trapped in the opposite sex body. And we think they have the right to get a a sex change surgery. And we think that that should be part of insurance payment plans. And you know what, some of the insurance companies are caving into this. So for political correctness or for their own biases or for pressure from outside, whatever the reasons are, we end up paying a little bit more so that somebody can have a sex change operation who will probably not be any happier afterwards than they were before. And so how far do we take political correctness? Uh, Should we be so all-inclusive? And then if everybody can do everything and be everything they want, what's the difference between that and anarchy? And my sister, my baby sister would say, well, she's all for anarchy and she thinks that people should be able to do what they want to do and go where they want to go and cross borders and uh, so on and so forth. Of course, I remind her that she's not paying for any of this. And when I ask her, well, who's going to pay for this? She says, well, you are Billy because you're a rich doctor. (laughs) So, so we have Two big groups of people that undergo or have some sexual change operations or sexual reassignment or sex assignment, gender identity, and that's the kids that are born with congenital problems or genetic problems, uh, often which can be addressed, the most common being what I was referring to earlier, the adrenal gland problem, congenital adrenal hyperplasia. And the people who have psychological problems they have dysphoria they're not happy they're not happy with who they are and you, you know you can say well this has been going on since the beginning of time men acting like women women acting like men and since the beginning of time we really haven't had to face this as a surgical problem uh-oh so now in the past half century this has become a surgical problem and remember who's doing this now, plastic surgeons and urologists, both of whom make good money, and they like their money. And, of course, they're not going to be biased by the fact that they're getting 25000 bucks for the procedures, which may take them several hours. Not bad money. And for the plastic surgeons, there's a secondary gain because the men who become women, are going to want to have breast implants so there's another five thousand or ten thousand so we have to be we have to be suspect of anybody who's financially or situationally benefiting from uh, this kind of diagnosis and treatment we got to be really suspect we have to take a close look and that's not to say that that it's wrong i mean You know, common sense tells me this isn't right, but I've had other things in my life that I thought weren't right that after the science came out, I said, oh, yeah, you know, I was wrong, and I'll be the first to admit it if I am. Kids have identity problems, of course, and when they hit adolescence, it becomes very acute, and we want to feel like we fit in. Our group identity is very, very important to us and we want to know or feel that we're attractive, that the opposite sex has an interest in us. Are we desirable? Do we fit in? And we want to know if we're like the crowd that we're with. You know, we seek out people who reflect most of the time reflect what we are and how we act and how we think. So do I fit in and who am I like? And freedom of choice is another thing that kids are, uh, young kids, uh, adolescents are, are worried about and are consistently struggling with. Do I have the freedom to make my own choices? So we want autonomy. We want to know that we're capable of living independent of our parents. And adolescence is that period where we learn a lot of that in a healthy family. And we're given opportunities to go out and come back. As we get older, we go out more and come back less. And finally, we leave the nest permanently. And, of course, kids want to feel that they're not going to be bullied, that they can go to school or uh, go to ball practice or cheerleading and be accepted and not be uh, jeered and taunted and bullied for whatever reasons. And this is a big problem if you have a congenital or an inherited disorder where your genitalia may not be as normal as somebody else's, but it still can be made normal with the medical science at hand and the proper diagnosis and treatment. But what about somebody who just doesn't fit in? I mean, what about that? Is is that something that has to do with sex or with gender, perhaps? I mean, maybe... A, a kid smaller, a boy, and he gets picked on. Maybe he has an an effeminate name. Maybe his mother has wanted him to be more like a girl so she could have that company. I mean, there's a number of reasons that we can go into an adolescent group and not fit in and be bullied. Does that mean that we need uh, gender change and sex reassignment? We have to take a close look at that. I mean, there is just not enough data out there. It just doesn't exist at this point. And the commitment, not only by the patient and their family, but also by society, is big. You know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years. Are we supposed to pay for that? And remember... The majority of these people who have this gender dysphoria, who think that they're a man in a woman's body or a woman in a man's body, are going to have accompanying psychological problems, which are going to be ongoing. And so if you have someone come into the services, into the Army or the Navy, Air Force, Marines, and they're already struggling with these problems, what does that do to our Military. I mean, is it something that's going to harm the military, even if it's not harmful to the military in in terms of their uh, societal and uh, other roles that they have to take on, even if it doesn't interfere with the smooth function of the day to day operations, there's still going to be an increased burden to the medical system of of the uh, military services. And these folks have to be taken care of. And a lot of times they'll be screened out ahead of time. But people learn how to lie on these tests and to get themselves into situations where they can get free care or get free help, like in the military. When I come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this. And you have to ask yourself the question, and maybe you can answer it for me, are we or should we be responsible for the cost of taking care of folks with this disorder? I'm Dr. Bill, I'll be right back.
2: With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A message to North Korea for consecutive ICBM tests. Early this morning, a pair of U.S. Air Force supersonic bombers flew low over the Korean peninsula. Escorted by South Korean fighter jets, the B-1 bombers flew back to Anderson Air Force Base in Guam. The U.S. also says it conducted a successful test of a missile defense system located in Alaska. Hillary Clinton lost the 2016 election, but some Republicans in Congress are intensifying calls to investigate her and other Obama administration officials. Congressional investigators have escalated into Russia meddling and possible links to President Trump's campaign, and now Republicans say investigations ought to focus some on the Democrats. After the collapse of efforts to repeal Obamacare, some of the Republican base are concerned. Party leaders say another try better be made. This is SRN
1: News. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-277. 795.
2: That's 727-771-2795. Hello, beautiful. I'm Madison Reed, and my mom named her revolutionary hair color company after me. My mom taught me that women can do anything they set their mind to. Hi, I'm Madison's mom, Amy Arrett. I founded Madison Reed with the idea to create luxurious, ammonia-free, salon-quality,
0: at-home hair color that saves women time and money. In under an hour and for
1: less than $25, Madison Reed delivers gorgeous, multidimensional, shiny hair. I'm proud to say Madison Reed is a female-led company. From our chief marketing officer to our master colorist, we're all women and top experts in our field. Founded in love, we are a hair color company led by women, made for women. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off
2: plus free shipping on your first color kit, Use code GRATEFUL. That's code GRATEFUL. Try it. Love it. That's the beauty of Madison Reed. Bingo.
1: Today, partly cloudy skies. Couple of showers. Heavy thunderstorm. High 85. Partly cloudy tonight. Shower and a thunderstorm. Low 76. Tomorrow, again, variable cloudiness. Shower and a thunderstorm. Some of that could be heavy. Look out for some flooding tomorrow. Tomorrow's high at 87.
0: That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Steve Williams for AM
2: 860 she made it from my spine La, la, la,
1: la, I But I can't understand why She walked like a woman talk like a woman La, 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 i back Dr. A little bit of the tanks And Lola Which was a song about I don't know if he's a transsexual or what you would call him I guess transsexual uh, guy dressed up like a girl at a bar and uh, the singer says that he couldn't tell the difference until she started to uh, talk like a man and had a big Adam's apple and, uh, and yet he was a little bit thrilled by it as an early teenager or middle aged teenager going to a bar for the first time he ended up in a in a cross-dressing bar, I guess. And I was talking about the the cost of the surgery and the care of somebody who undergoes uh, gender surgery, who has their genitalia modified by plastic surgery and takes hormones and so on and so forth in order to appear to be the opposite sex. And I know that I said that a breast implant was going to cost at least five thousand and probably ten thousand i'm sure there are a number of women who is in Listen. Competitive Come on yeah. and the uh, the cost is going to be greater for a breast implant in a patient uh, who's undergoing sex chain surgery a guy who wants to be a gal because we have to put in what we call tissue expanders there's just not enough skin in the in the male breast, by and large, for for us to make a, uh, an appealing-looking female breast, the skin is, is not there. So you have to stretch the skin. And you say, well, can you do that? Oh, yeah, skin stretches very nicely, as I'm saying with my mid-waist these days. And so we put in breast expanders, and these have to be uh, pumped up every so often, uh, like any expander imp- appliance that we would use in another situation uh, our skin is leather and leather can be stretched and especially living leather so that adds to the cost of the breast implant surgery for someone who's having sex surgery to become a female if they're a male and so there are a lot of hidden costs that are not immediately apparent and that are not being quoted by some of the authorities and some of the uh, left-wing outfits that claim that it's not that big of a deal and not that much of a cost. The burden does fall to you and me. I mean, just that's the way it is. Not many people are going to have the money that that Bruce Jenner had to undergo a sex change operation. Uh, and a lot of these folks who don't have that much money are going to leave the country anyway, but they're going to come back and they're going to have healthcare problems that we have to take care of here as part of their insurance plan or part of the military. So, there's a lot to think about. And when the president says that he's doing it for financial reasons, which is fine with me, Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not going to make or lose money personally off of this. Uh, Although I'm going to perhaps pay a little bit more taxes because of it. it. It's, it just doesn't have the feel of something that, is mainstream enough yet and has enough proof that we should be paying for it and so the transgender uh terminology which is an umbrella for a person whose gender identity genderer gender expression or behavior does not conform to typically associated with their sex their their genetic sex or their uh their sex by how they look on the outside and then we hear terms like sexual sexual orientation well I first heard this back in the eighties when I was taking care of psychiatric patients and, and, uh, was cautioning one patient to be careful cause they could get HIV. And you know, why did they want to, why did they want to experiment with this anyway? And they said, well, don't I have a choice? Is not my sexual preferences, my own choice? Well, apparently so, but, uh, whether or not that's how Mother Nature intended it is another story. You may have that choice in a free society like ours, and we may have to tolerate some of this in order to maintain our societal uh, freedoms and our societal norms. We may have to put up with some abnormal behavior, or at least abnormal to us, but that certainly doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right that that we can have guns and there are people that misuse that power and kill other people. It doesn't make it right that they're killing somebody just because we have that freedom in our society, but we have to put up with a little bit of this. If we're going to maintain these kinds of freedoms, Uh, what about the uh, civil rights aspect of this? this has come up over and over and over again, that transgenders, should not be uh, uh, prejudiced or should not be uh, seen in a negative light by employers. And yet, although this has been introduced into the Congress multiple times through various bills, it's never passed. And remember, we've had both Democratic and Republican legislatures. So I don't think that uh, civil rights protection – at least not at this moment in time, is protected by the government. And the fact that it's gone through the Congress, and this is Congress's domain, is an even bigger deal because the, some of the courts are trying to legislate this and say, well, yeah, these people do have civil rights, and you can't uh, you can't have prejudices, and you, you can't exclude them from job opportunities or uh, other aspects of uh, public life which fall under the Civil Rights Act. In the 14th amendment 13th and 14th amendments so we're back to that old debate of do the courts have the power to make make legislation and they think they do and of course they get knocked down a lot of times at the supreme court level but the supreme court has been liberalizing over the decades and hopefully the president will be able to have a couple of more choices which will shore up its conservative nature that's what it was meant to be was a conservative body a a body that does not act or react but deliberates and looks at where we have come from and what our constitution says and that's important I mean it's very important you say well look we all have choices in life, and with our current status and state of our, our technology and our health care, that if I want to go out and have my genitalia rearranged and and have my penis chopped off and have a vagina and get a breast implant and I can afford it, what do you care? Well, I guess I really don't. I mean, you know, it's up to you. If you got the money, have at it. And, you know, I'm curious to see what the outcomes will be. I'd like to see some long-term studies and find out. Uh, how much of this dysphoria, this dissatisfaction with our gender is inherited, and how much is behavioral? I'm betting that ninety five percent is behavioral. How we're brought up, how we interact with other people, how they interact with us, how we view sex, what we see as an early in our early life as a kid, what we come across and what sexual activities, stimulate us or what gender activities make us th- think that we should be more like that gender than this gender. I mean, a lot of this is uh, very nebulous indeed and and, and not something that, that I think can be quantified, at least not at this point in time. And again, I think the geneticists are going to show us more and more that a lot of this is behavioral. And you'll see these articles, and I've read several past couple of days and they'll say there's it's a multi-genetic phenomena yeah well where's the genetic loci where are these genes in the body that you're talking about well they're not identified because they haven't been identified at least not that I know of tough situation the long-term follow-up of transsexual persons undergoing sex reassignment surgery From uh, a study in 2011 from uh, Sweden, they looked at, let's see what the numbers were on this. There was 300 plus people, 324 sex reassigned persons, 191 male to female, 133 female to male in Sweden between 1973 and 2003. And they were matched against random populations. And the mortality rates were higher. Suicide rates were higher. Uh, all the medical outcome problems were were higher in the people that underwent the sex change surgery and it it's not uh it, it's not me i mean you know i'm not saying this i'm looking at this study you can look at it yourself and this the numbers are not great because there's just not that many people who are willing to submit and be involved in this kind of study they don't want to have anything negative said about themselves and about their decision to have transsexual surgery. But this is in, uh, let's see where I find this. I found this and it was published online in February 22nd, 2011 in the journal. I can't even read what it is. I think I picked it up from one of the websites that handles the whole, this is from the, oh, actually this is from our own government. National Institute of Health, Mental Health, from our government. And you can go to their website, www.ncbi.nlm.nih.gov. So it sounds like it's the National Institute of Health. And pick up this article. You can Google, uh, you can put into the search bar uh, the, the research that it looks at, transsexual persons undergoing sex reassignment surgery. You can read it for yourself. It's a cohort study in Sweden. And it's recent. It's within the past five, six years. And it's a starting point. It may not be right, but first you have to read it. Then you have to ingest it. Then you have to figure out how to schedule and form and um, construct a research project that will Give us more information about this. Then you have to go out and find people that are willing to be subjects of the research, that are willing to uh, enlist and enroll in the research. By the way, it'll probably cost you some money because most people who are involved in research studies want to be paid for their time. They want to be paid for the blood work that's drawn or the medicines that they have to take because there's an experimental facet to it. So... None of this is cheap, and the research itself is not going to be any cheaper than any other research. Who do you think pays for all of this, guys? Who do you think pays for the research? Ultimately, you and me, the consumer, the taxpayer. So we have all of this we have to look at. Everything from gender-changing surgery to breast implants to long-term hormonal care to follow-up to how these people fit into society, uh, what kind of medical problems they have, what kind of psychiatric problems they have. And you say, well, I don't care if they kill themselves. You know what? There's a lot of lead-up to most of these suicides. And most of the people who are successful have made attempts prior and have ended up in the emergency room of your local hospital. And I know because I take care of these folks, I'm consulted on them if they've taken big doses of certain antidepressants like amitriptyline, they may have heart rhythm disturbances and we have to treat those. And then after they're through the acute medical phase, they're most often, more likely than not, they will be transferred to a psychiatric facility for a three-day minimum investigation evaluation and unless the psychiatrists and psychologists can prove that they're a threat to themselves or others, then after a couple, three days, we got to let them go. That's the law now. And they may go out and do it again. I mean, one of the biggest risk factors for suicide is prior suicides. <laughs> if you've tried it once, you're more likely than not to try it again. And, and that costs money. So if you say, well, I don't care if they go out and kill themselves – Well, you should because you're paying for it, dude, and do that. It's coming out of your tax dollar. It's coming out of your insurance premium payment. It's coming out of your local hospital fund for the indigent, wherever. That money's got to come from somewhere. It's going to come from me and you, those of us who are out there working and doing it. Now, I know Madonna's going to say, well, I work, and I make a gazillion times more money than everybody else. Yeah, well, how much has she contributed to the cause? You know, you got the money, you feel strongly about something. Great. Give it up. I mean, do like Andrew Carnegie did. He gave all his money away before he died. There's libraries all over the world called Carnegie Libraries because he was so intent on increasing literacy in the United States and Scotland and England, and, and he uh, donated money local jurisdictions to put up libraries. Good for him. Great cause. I'm all for it. There have been other wealthy people throughout history who have given their money to a cause or to research or to science, and to me that's a wonderful thing. If you feel strongly about an issue like this and you want to make a difference and you have the cash to do it, well, then put your money to work. Put your money to work. But don't tell me I have to pay for it. And basically that's what you do when you legislate this, when the courts say, well, you can't uh, discriminate against this person just because they've had a sex change operation. Well, what if they're frickin' crazy? What if they're suicidal? What if they're disruptive in the workplace? What if they're depressed and crying? How am I gonna deal with this, especially if I'm a doctor in a medical office? All of a sudden, I've got an employee who's a patient. And I don't mind seeing my employees and helping them out with medical problems, but this is not something that you're gonna solve with a handful of antibiotics for an upper respiratory tract infection. This is going to be ongoing. Sit down and talk. Are you on your antidepressants? Let's get you back on your medicines. Who's paying for the antidepressants? Thank God they're cheap now. Uh, But all these things come into play. And if you tell me that I have to, I cannot discriminate against, and I have to employ somebody who is qualified, who has had this, uh, kind of emotional problem with this gender dysphoria and has had a sex change operation or is undergoing one. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, look, I, I can't do business like this. I have patients that I have to take care of. I can't be stopping every few minutes throughout the day or every hour throughout the day to try and put one of my employees back together emotionally so I can keep working. I need them to be emotionally glued together, at least during the workday and to get the work done because there are patients that are waiting. There are people with life and death problems that want my attention and want to be taken care of, and that's true in any business. You know, a home builder's got to get the house built. The secretary's got to get her work punched out, or the, the boss is upset and, and the company's not running smoothly. I mean, we all have jobs to do. Let's get in there and do them. And let's not have too many unnecessary and silly interferences now, perhaps there is a real disease called gender dysphoria, and perhaps someday we'll have all of the data on it. but I'm guessing that by that time the geneticists will already answered a lot of these questions, and there won't be this uh this angst this the uh, um crisis over am I a man or a woman and should I have a sex change operation and the left and the right squaring off against each other and money and time and energy being spent on really something that's not that essential to the functioning of our society other than as I said before to make sure that we have that freedom of choice within our society but of course choice is not boundless otherwise you have anarchy. We have to set some limits. Even Montessori schools with the little kids have some limits as to what they will and will not allow. And I know I've had close hand, first hand experience with that. So it's it's a difficult situation, but I think the president is right on this for my wallet's sake and for society's sake at this time, for the. The dollar cost of it, it is expensive. There is ongoing care. It's not as simple as the left makes it sound. And we need to back him up on this. And this is not something that belongs in the courts. The Civil Rights Act uh, was passed through Congress and signed by President Lyndon Johnson. It wasn't a court-mandated situation. And slavery didn't end because... The court said it was wrong. It ended because Lincoln was able to push through the 13th and 14th Amendments. So we'll keep that within our conscious mind, and we will push for those who we know are in the position to make those decisions and let them know how we feel, which are our legislators and our elected officials. The courts are there to interpret the law, not to make new law. This is Dr. Bill, and I hope you guys have a great weekend. I guess we're out of here, man. I'll talk to you guys next
2: week. Adios.